millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to The Ordinary Black Professionals. I'm Nicole. And I'm Stefan. And this week I'm interviewing Stefan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And talking about his experiences of becoming a contractor, why he decided to make the plunge, and if being a contractor is really as lucrative as everyone says it is. Because whenever people are talking about being a contractor, they always make it like that they're, they're going to be making it rain with money. Mm, yeah. so let's uh talk about whether that's really the case or not are you ready to i'm ready dive straight in yeah ready to bear open your soul i don't know about that (laughs) (laughs) so did you always know you wanted to be a contractor because i've got friends who say i'm going to do five years working as a consultant management consultant and then i'm going to become a contractor did you always know that's something you wanted to do no, I didn't know much about being a contractor. Um, I didn't know anything really for for many years. But I started realizing that uh, some of my colleagues left to become contractors. Mm-hmm. And then also some of my colleagues were contractors. And so I started working alongside people who were uh, being, doing the same job as me and was a contractor. And I started to learn a bit more just by asking them questions about being a contractor, what it's like, how to do it, mm-hmm. you know, what's the difference? And yeah, I just started learning just by asking questions, really. So okay. that's how I started figuring out what it was. And then, you know, thinking that maybe this, this could be yeah. for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then what made you decide to finally take the plunge? Um, again, like working with the contractors, seeing what they do, talking to them, and realizing that there's little difference between me and them. Um, just so you had the same skill set that they had, you would say. Um, similar, not exactly the same, but it, essentially, there I had this view that contractors were people that came in and were super experienced. Yeah, that's what I had, thought as well. Yeah, crazy amount of skills. And then when I'm working alongside them, you know, they're asking me questions and I'm asking them questions. And I realize they don't know everything and I don't know everything. Mm. And so there's actually not much difference between us um, except the way that we're employed. Okay. And then I started realizing, okay, so um, is this something that I wanted to do? And I asked them questions about 
how it works like how do you get paid how does uh how, what is it like being here as a contractor because I, I know what it feels like being here as an employee and all the things that i do as an employee but what's the difference for you and you know just having those sort of lunchtime conversations is how i ended up in this situation okay. and yeah what you know what made me take the plunge at the time you go through sort of being employed with your employer and sometimes you know when it's time to leave mm. and I think I got to that point where I sort of knew it was time to leave and then I had to make a decision about whether I was going to apply for another job or whether I was going to try and my hand at contracting. Okay and I've just realized we've dived straight into your experience of being a contractor without maybe even talking about what a contractor actually is. Yeah. Some people actually may not know what it is. Yeah, yeah. It's actually just take a step back. <laughs> yeah. I dived in too soon with the questions. So if you had to define kind of what a contractor is, mm-hmm. what would you say is and how it differs from being an employee like what I am? Yeah. Um, well, essentially, a contractor is a person or a company who takes on um, essentially a contract of work to deliver a service okay okay and so the difference between that and an employee is that employee receives a contract that says you are employed and we will offer you these benefits etc etc but a contractor is offered a contract that says you um it's it's not an employed relationship it's more of a business to business relationship. Okay, so you're here, you're coming in to deliver this particular piece of work. Yeah. And then once you've done that, you're off. That's it. And the only thing that, if I'm an employer, the only thing that I give this contractor is a salary, like money. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. So sometimes no, the contract no can be based on the delivery. So if you deliver this piece of work, I'm going to pay you this money. Or if you um deliver this piece of work every week that you're here or every day that you're here i'm going to pay you this piece of money this this amount of money okay okay that makes sense that makes sense so when you decided that you were happy to well you had explored different options of kind of what a contractor was and you decided that you were ready to leave your company kind of just walk me through what you did like did you have to have a job a contracting job lined up before you left or did you have to leave and then look for a contracting job? Yes, yeah, so I had to learn this for myself. So what happened is I first, in the process of learning about contracting, I started to get the feeling and just talking to people that maybe this is something that I wanted to do. And so I started to talk to uh, recruiters about, you know, here's my CV. Um, I may be looking to leave my current job, mm. but what do you think, how my, how would my CV do in the contracted market? And some of these recruiters, uh, a lot of them, they hire for permanent jobs, but also for contracted jobs. Oh, okay. So when I gave them my CV, they gave me very positive feedback about, oh yeah, you could definitely get a contract. Um, and obviously in their salesy type of way, and I can get you one. Oh, of course. And... <laughs> of course. Recruiters always seem to think quite highly of themselves. Yeah. So I realized that I had to leave my job first before I looked for a contract because a lot of the contracts 
they are offered to people who have one or two weeks notice. Oh, really? Because contractors can have short notices. Uh, because okay. it's then a lot easier to get rid of a contract if you have short notice, the contractor. But also you can, you know, if you're a contractor, leave a lot easier as well. Yeah, there's no kind of three month notice yeah. period or one well, month notice. Some of them period. do have three months and some of them do have, you know, I did a contractor, I had a one month notice period, just like my normal job. Normal job. But okay, so I, how had did, to, I had to do that, yeah. How did you find out that you needed to leave that the notice periods were so short. Is that because when it, you were it, speaking to recruiters, they told you, oh, you, yeah. need, you need you to start in two weeks' time sort of thing? I, I applied to contracts as I was still employed. They they wouldn't really entertain an interview because they said it's just too long to, to bring you in because I had a month's notice, which is quite standard. It's not that long. No, yeah. But, yeah, they were just like, we need someone next week. A lot of contracts were like, we want someone in the next week or two oh, to come okay. in straight away. Some contracts, you know, they'll be happy to wait if they get the right person. And most of them should probably say that. But at the time, I wasn't really getting that response. So I handed in my notice first. And in the last two weeks of my notice period, that's when I was like applying a lot more. So did you feel a bit shook? Being like, because because we you know, we did a poll on Instagram a yeah. few months ago around whether you would hand in your notice about having without having another job lined up, and I think the most of our Instagram followers said that they wouldn't. They would make sure that they handed in their notice and had a job to go go to next. Mm. So the fact that you handed in your notice and you know you've got you know you've got a mortgage, you've got responsibilities, and you didn't have a job lined up, did you feel a bit nervous? Um, at the time, I was very confident because I had a lot of positive feedback on my CV. I've spoken to a lot of recruiters who gave me good feedback. My colleagues had also said, like, oh, yeah, I'll get a contract very easily. So and also it's the IT industry. So I felt like, you know, there's a lot of um, movement in the industry. It's really hot uh, at the moment. So I thought definitely I'll get one in the next month okay yeah so I, I i was very confident i think as you are still applying and 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 not receiving the responses that you want to receive you get a bit more nervous right but at the time i still was employed you know when i was applying so i was confident at that point okay and so you were looking for jobs in the kind of after you had two weeks left of your notice period was there anything that you needed to set up before you could take on a contracting job? Yes. Um, so I think because being a contract or having a contract is a business to business scenario between uh, the company that you want to work for and, and yourself, I had to think about whether I wanted to set up a company to do that or not. So there's different ways that you can do that. Um, one is to be a sole trader. So just like any sole trader, you have to um, have a, you know, your books in order and all that yeah. sort of stuff. And But you pay tax just like everybody else, income tax. Um, the second option is to have an umbrella company, which is like me go find a company that will take me on. Um, they will pay me a salary. And as part of that, relationship yeah as part of that relationship they would um 
help me with the business to business relationship between themselves that company and the company that I'm working for okay so, so they would do all the paperwork that's what I was gonna say yeah they yeah. they do all of that heavy lifting for you yeah but then you also that I mean to me I I'd, I'd like to be in control of what's going on I don't think I'd like that option because they that umbrella company could do whatever and yeah. you know you want to be in control today yeah yeah so i didn't go for that option i went for the third option to have a limited company so i set up my own company um and through that i did all the paperwork myself um i got on a i got a accountant accountant who um, basically helped me set up the company he was an accountant who's very used to having contractor companies Mm -hmm. so he knew like everything that i needed and set up and all that sort of stuff and then through that, I set that up. And then when I did get a contract, all I had to do was, you know, give the information, my details, um, bank account, which was a business bank account through the company and all that sort of stuff. So, okay. So how it works is that, let's say you've got a contract with um, Google, let's say Google will pay that limited company. Yeah salary yeah straight into the limited company bank account okay and then i am the director of the company and the company has one employee who is me mm-hmm. but it could have many right so you could grow your company to have other contractors and then you essentially be an umbrella company um, yourself mm-hmm. and um then the company would pay me okay right so i would pay myself basically through the company okay okay we'll talk a little bit about how you pay your how you went about paying yourself as a limited company in a minute yeah. but those essentially are the steps that you had to take to to get it set up and running yeah is it quite easy to do to set up your own company and to find an accountant yes it's very easy um, if you find an accountant who takes on contractor companies all the time then they will probably have a very simple sort of startup process that they'll go through okay and they'll do it for you a lot of time Okay. Um, but you could set it up 100% yourself as well, and it's very easy to do. Just you could just do it online in you know 10, 15 minutes. That going like to the gov.uk website type one of those. Yeah, um, company's house is where you need to set up a company. So government website, and then um, it's very simple. I think you just pay a few pounds, 13 pounds or something like that. Can't remember to to set up a company. Okay, so very easy to do. Yeah. So. Two weeks in before your end of um before your job ends, you or before your your note your notice period ends, you're looking for jobs, you set up your own company, you've got an accountant, you're in a good place, you're ready to go. How long does it actually take you to find a job? So when your two weeks notice period ends and you're technically unemployed, yeah. did you have a job to go into straight away after that, or were you still unemployed for a bit? And then you found a job. Yeah, I was still unemployed for a bit. Um, it took me mean... a few extra weeks after my notice ended at my job. Um, I think it was maybe between one and two months it took. Is it that long? I think so. I don't remember it being that long. I think so. It, t- it took a few weeks. It took a few weeks. Yeah. Okay. And then during that period, did you feel a bit shook? Yeah, as the time goes on, you do feel a bit more nervous. Um, I think <laughs> what it is, is that the market wasn't 
I was just was not getting that many interviews. Mm. Um, I think maybe the, you know there was a lot of people on the market and a lot of competition at the time, so I just couldn't. Um, you know, there's a lot of people to compete with, and then you know other people go for interviews and and get it before me. So yeah, I just the... had to wait for my shot. Mm. And then, yeah, I got an opportunity. And that's the thing that's so different with contracting and an actual employee. When a company is looking for an employee, they're wanting to make sure that this person has um, the potential to develop, to grow, that they're going to fit into the company, that they're going to represent the company well, you know, all of that stuff. Whereas for a contractor, you could have one interview or a couple of interviews and that they'll hire you right then or or on that day because they don't really care about your opportunity or or, or how much potential you have. Can you develop? All they want to know is, have you got the skill set? Can you start in two weeks? Yes, you can. Okay. I'm going to end the search right there and then. You're yeah. interested in, in all that other fluffy stuff because we just need you to do this six-month piece of work and that's it. Yeah, yeah. So that's a bit more about the interview process as well because in the interview process for an employee, you'd maybe be interviewed by HR mm. and then also by a director or then you go through all these different five, six stages. For an, um, a contractor you probably wouldn't even be interviewed by HR. You would just oh, really? be interviewed directly with uh, the team or manager that wants you in, well, that is looking for a contractor to do a particular job. Mm. And they'll be very short with the interview. The interview will be like half an hour, uh, maybe even an hour. And it would be like really cutthroat. Just can you do this? Yes or no. Sometimes they'll say, can you demonstrate that you can do it? Um what experience do you have doing it and that's about it and then you'll be in or out (laughs) so very kind of quick and yeah straightforward process but then also one that's quite brutal at the same time yes yeah so I thought you know it would be quite good to have like a quite straightforward process but actually the the shortness and sort of cutthroat of it um, doesn't give you a lot of opportunity to show how you differentiate. And I guess in some ways they don't really care how you differentiate because you, cause you're sort of a short-term hire. You're temporary yeah. hire. So, you know, sometimes it's a long-term hire. You know, there can be contracts that are for senior positions, right? And um, when I say long-term, it's not like they, need, they want a contractor for several years. Um, they would most likely look for someone to be an employee if they want someone for several years. But if they want someone in a very senior position, then they might do a bit more like an interim um, CTO or an interim director of this or that or whatever it is. They will probably look to ask you a bit more questions, maybe talk to a few more people. But if they want you to perform a certain task or a certain job, then they'll they'll be pretty short with it. They'll say, can you do it? Can you demonstrate? Can you show us history of you doing it? Um, They may, again, like call up to a reference that you've provided. Okay. Um, But I've not had anybody do that. Yeah. Okay. So then you did eventually get that contracting job. Yep. Um, So what was it like getting your first pay slip? Or do you even get a pay slip? How does that work? Um, well, it's definitely not a pay slip. It's what it is. It's um, you give an invoice. It's a business business relationship, right? So 
you send them an invoice of saying, you know, I've worked these many days, can you pay me this? And, and someone approves it internally in the company. Every company is different, right? So they've got their own process. Um, so you send them an invoice, they approve it, and then they pay you, basically. Okay. You know, through the, through the pre-agreed payment method that you've already agreed with them. Okay. And um, that's, that's how you get paid. And another way as well is sometimes there is an intermediary between you. So there's the business that you're working for, oh, okay. there's your company, and in the middle there's another company. That other company can actually be the recruitment company oh, or right. it can be um, another company that the the company that you're working for has brought in the middle. Right. So just handle all that process of the invoicing and paying. You and yeah, because when so, you think about it, for the company, like let's say, just go back to saying it's Google, you in theory have two ways of paying people. You've got your usual standard way that you did pay your employees. Yeah. And now you've also got, an, which is one process, and that could be multiple processes depending on country. You know, the country. Yeah. And then essentially you've got another process or set of processes for them paying contractors. So it makes sense why you would have, why a company would outsource that process to somebody else because you know, it potentially it's a lot to manage. Yeah, it, it, I think it is because um, every contractor will have a different bank account, um, maybe even different payment process, different countries. Again, if you got different, different tax to pay, student lo- like no, you don't pay their student loan tax. You just pay their invoice. Oh, right? okay. But you may have to handle things like VAT. Right. So, um, and also th- they want some legal protection because okay. there are some laws about being a contractor and differentiating who's a contractor and who's an employee and things like that. So uh, to to give themselves some protection, they put another company in the middle who handle it for them. And technically, um, I'm being paid by the, the intermediary company. I'm right. not being paid by the company that I'm actually sitting at their desks. Right. Okay. Okay. So as we're talking about money, you know, how I've always understood it, before you've um, became a contractor and how what I've heard other people say is, okay, so if I'm a contractor, I make 500 pounds a day. And so 500 pounds a day times by 365, it will be, will give me a total of 182,000 roughly. Right. Okay. We know that that's going to be a 40% tax. So I take 40% tax out of that and therefore I'm making 109,000 roughly a year. So therefore I'm loaded, essentially. I'm making loads and loads of money. Is that correct? Is that how you work out how much a contractor takes home? Is it as simple as that? No, no, that's not correct. (laughs) So, okay, so not all contractors are paid 500 pounds a day. Um, contracts. I've oh, seen I thought that was a standard rate because whenever people talk about contract, and I was like, oh, it's five hundred pound a day. No, it's no. never more. It's never less. It's just a flat five hundred. <laughs> no, five hundred is is a quite a good rate. Um, if you're very senior, then you could get rates. I'll see. I've seen. I've seen seven hundreds. I've known six hundreds. I've known of contractors being paid twelve hundred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pound a day. You, can, you can get paid over a grand, definitely, but. Those guys are probably in yeah, very yeah. Those high are positions. like super senior people. Yeah. Um, but at the you know standard sort of stuff, I've seen people in seven hundreds, six hundreds, five hundreds is a very good rate. 
Um, but I've also seen a lot of rates for in the 300s and the 400s. Okay. So I have I was offered contracts at 400s, but I was really trying to push for 500s sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and 300s is, you know, I think depending on industry and what you're doing, it, it will be different. So in IT, 400s and 500s is a, is a lot more standard. Um, but in other industries, you may see a bit more 300s, you know. Okay. And that's per day a lot of the time. It's a rate per day. They're not paying you that. They're paying your company a rate per day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the day is not, you know, there's not 365 days. You There are weekends. So it's probably around 261 days, um, weekdays. And that's if you work every day of the year mm. right? and never take a holiday, a sick day, you know, ever. Yeah. You don't get paid if you take holiday. You don't get paid if you take sick because you're not the employee. Right. Okay. So you don't get those benefits. No, you get no benefits whatsoever apart from monies paid to your bank account. Right. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So if you're getting paid 500 and you're doing 261 days, that's about 300 and what the 130,000 pounds a year which is still good, right? But <laughs> It's more than what I'm making. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's paid to your company. It's not paid to you. And then through the company, you need to pay yourself. So there's certain things that you need to think about first before you even pay yourself. First, you are employed by your own company or by the umbrella company. But let's say it's the limited company that you set up because it's a lot easier to think about that. And that's what you did as well. Yeah. Um, so if I'm if the money comes into my into my bank account, I first need to think about paying my expenses because I am working for a company, they're not paying my expenses, they're just paying my rate. And when you So s- if I've got expenses, I've got to pay things like travel, right? So if you're traveling, let's say you're just traveling, uh let's say you live in London, you're getting on the um London transport into work, then you can expense that. And you minus that from your company expenses, right? If you are traveling cross country and you have to get a train from one side of the country to the other, you have to expense that. But that is a lot more expensive as well. So that would cost you, you know, £100 a day, let's say. That that would be really expensive travel. Yeah, possibly. These trains are really But you're going to expense it. Yeah. But who... I don't understand how it works. You're saying that you expense it and then... Like, who pays for that? I don't understand. The company does. Your company. Okay, so, so you're just your taking that money out of your... Out of the 130000 So you get paid £500 a day, right? Let's say it costs you um, £100 to travel that day. So you have to minus your £100 from your 500 for the day. Yeah, so you now have made £400 that day. Yeah, but ultimately it doesn't make a difference. You don't actually have to do it. You have to travel. Yeah, I know you have to travel, but if you've already, got, if you can already afford, why do you have to put it back into the company? That's what I'm trying to say. Oh, the expenses. Yeah, it doesn't make a difference. You're not... It's a lot cheaper for you. If if you paid yourself your salary, right, and then after you paid yourself your salary, you have to pay national insurance, you've got to pay um, income tax, all that sort of stuff, and then you minus from your own personal money in your pocket your travel money. Let's mm. say a hundred pounds. You're a lot worse off than if you expensed it through the company, right? Because the company doesn't pay 
any of that tax or, or, or stuff on it. And the company pays a lot less tax than you personally pay. Right. Right. Because okay. the company has to pay tax as well as yourself. Okay. So you pay your normal national insurance and your normal income tax, but your company has to pay national insurance and corporation tax. Wait, let's let's just go back to the expenses. Yeah, so you have to minus expenses from that money. You have to minus pension from that money because, you know, you work for a company as an employee and the company puts money into your pension for a lot of the time, right? Well, I mean... You're saying you have to minus your pension or whatever. You don't actually, that's not, you don't legally have to do that. No, you don't you, legally you have could, to do that. You could have, you could be working for, I mean, I'm sure there must be contractors out there mm-hmm. who have been work, or even people who own their own, not necessarily a contractor, but have a business on the side. But, and then the business on the side makes them money. And they've had, they've been working that for years, doing that for years and 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 years and, years, and they've never invested in a pension. Yeah. So, not something you have to do, but it's, it's not something, something that you, you have would to do. But if you're not doing it, then you know it's not good for your future. You know, you want to have a pension. You want to make sure that once you reach sixty-five, that you've got money that's been building for the last forty years. That's been that you, you can know, live off. That you, yeah, that's yeah. protected for you. That you can live off. Also, not, there's, there's state pension. There are tax benefits to put in money in the pension. Yeah. Right. So, and I'm it's guessing the best thing for you to do is is to take some of that money every month and put it in the pension. So that's what you'd recommend. But yeah. then, okay, so you're saying it's good to set up a pension, and I guess I think it's also good because this is you know if you're contracting, more than likely you are earning more than what other normal people would be earning. Um. So you're going to have more income to put into that pension. But then it's a question of, well, where do I go? Usually, like for me, for my pension, I just had to sign on a piece of paper, say, yep, want to have a company pension. And my company just sorted it all out. Yes. But now you're a contractor. Where do you go to set up your own pension? Like, Yeah, you basically need to set up your own pension in any pension company that you choose. So how did you find it? Did you you go on a comparison site? You can Google and just say, um, you know, pension and see what rates come up, who who gives you a good okay. pension. So the requ- pension is, is, is really up to you. Um, you can go for popular pension companies that you see on the TV adverts or anything, okay. really. It doesn't really matter as long as, um, you know, different pension companies, they obviously take your money and put it into shares mm. and they, and they try and build sh- and they invest it. So whoever's investing the money most efficiently should win really okay so but, that's, that's yeah. going to involve a good amount of research i remember when you it were does, looking yeah. into the pension it, you were researching it for a while yes okay so you've got that 130k you have taken some of that money out for expenses some of that money has t- gone out for a pension what yeah. else so Where there's, else the there's also some go? expenses as well for equipment that you'll need because if you get employed by a company, they'll give you a laptop, a phone, all the stuff that you need. Um, but if you're a contractor, you've got to provide that yourself. Right? I don't remember you buying a laptop. Ahead. I did. Yeah, I did. Did you buy a laptop? I did. Yeah, I did buy a laptop. So you need a laptop. Some companies that you go to work for um, will say, bring your own laptop. 
because we're not going to provide one for you, your contractor. Some companies will provide one to you because they want you to use their equipment for security and protection, right. that sort of stuff. But it all depends on the size of the company. But you don't know, you know, what contract you will get. So you definitely need a laptop. Um, it depends on obviously what type of work you're doing and what industry, of course. But those are, you know, there's that Think, type of expense. Things like a headset, things that potentially, I guess, having to expense calls because they're not going to give you exactly. a, a, a company phone. Yeah. One of the really important things as well that you must expense is business insurance, right? Because you're running a business now. Um, and you will not be hired by any company without insurance. Okay. Right? And so I had insurance for, uh, they call it public liability insurance. It's basically if anything goes wrong, you know, the insurance company will step in and, and, and try to solve it with money. Is that yeah. expensive? Um, no, it's not expensive. It's maybe, you know, it's less than £100. A month? Or... A month, yeah. Okay. Um, so there's uh, business insurance. What about things like taxes, um, national yeah. insurance, student loans? National insurance is something that you have to pay through the business, right? right? But student loan is not. Student loan is something that the employee pays, right? So when I pay myself, I'm now self-employed right? because I own the company that employs me. So I'm self-employed through that way. And when I do my self-assessment at the end of the year, um, the self-assessment through HMRC calculates how much student loan I have to pay back. Right, right, okay. Because when I pay myself through the company, I just pay myself like a flat amount of money um, and I don't calculate on minus all the tax every month. Yeah. Okay. But at the end of the year, I then need to inform HMRC how much money I made for the year and then they calculate that and I have to pay them a lump sum of all the tax money. So I have to make sure I don't spend all the money that I have um, been paid for the year. So let's say, let's just say for argument's sake, um, this is not what you got paid, but let's say for argument's sake, you got paid £5,000. You paid yourself from the company £5,000 a month. Yeah. So £5,000 a month, so that's five times 12, quick maths. It's not quick because I'm using my phone. You're giving yourself 60 grand yeah. of money. So out of that 60 grand, you'll need to keep some money aside to pay your student loan, which let's say that is five grand to make it nice and simple. Yeah. You'd have five grand spared to, to pay your student loan at the end of the year. And what, any other kind of taxes as well? Was it just a student all, loan? All my personal taxes. So, so what counts as loan, personal tax? Income oh, tax. National insurance? National insurance. That's about it. Okay, so yeah. you, yeah, okay. And I can also take pension out of my personal um, income as well and put it in the pension tax-free. Did you ever do that? No, I, I use my company to uh, put, put money, money in the pension. Yeah, rather than I pay it out. Yeah, my, I think that would make more sense. My must salary. Tax-wise. Yeah. Okay, so then you need to make sure, let's say you have 10 grand, let's say, to, to cover all of these, all the, the taxes and, and, your, and your student loan as well. So it's not, no, it may sound like a lot, okay, I'm taking home ten, five grand a month, but actually that money will, will reduce down if you have to pay for the student loans and all those other taxes. It'll more be, I don't know, four grand a month or yeah. three and a half grand a month. Yeah, yeah. Because of the other stuff so that you have if to you, pay. So if you calculate how much tax you're paying at the end of the year 
um, and minus it from what you're paying yourself, you know, every month. And then you can sort of recalculate how much money you're actually making a month, you know? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm just going to recap that because I realize that's quite a lot of information. And I know... Yeah. One, one last thing as well is don't forget to pay your accountant. <laughs> <laughs> they want to get paid every month too. Yeah, the person that... Uh... Yeah, and you pay them through the business because they are doing accounting for your business. Right, they're not doing it for you, right. They, they can do it for you as well. But um, if they do it for you, then you may have to pay them separately for something to do your personal tax. But most of the time they're doing it for your business. So I'm just going to recap what we've just discussed around the contractor cost, because I think it's important that people understand exactly the financial implications of becoming a contractor. And it may, you know, there's other things to consider and it's not as simple as earning 130,000 a year (laughs) Um, because you do have to pay a lot of different taxes and pensions and things like that so ultimately out of that 130,000 a year needs to come out your any expenses your pension which we've spoken about is not compulsory and that's that's optional but again really really important that, that you think about so you have your pension will come out of that. You've also got kind of your insurance as well, um, public liability insurance, things like that. And then you've also got your corporation tax, which will all come out of your um, company and also any work uh, materials that you need, laptops, headsets, all that stuff, m- having a mouse, all that things. Then, you know, Stefan paid himself and out of that salary that he paid himself, he needs to make sure that at the end of the year he has enough money left over to pay his VAT, his national insurance and his student loan to kind of his his personal um taxes as well. Yeah, so, so the the VAT is a business expense. Oh, VAT is business. Uh national insurance is business and personal. Um and the student loan is a personal. Is a personal. Okay. 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 So a lot of different expenses there. What about um, life insurance? Yes. Yeah. It's an important you, one. Did you change? So, so I had to take out my own life insurance because one of the benefits you get when you're employed sometimes is that the company will offer you life assurance. So if anything happens to you, Doug, give a payout to your family yeah I um, have that at the moment I think it's like 4.5 times my salary yeah and they do that so it kind of can cover your mortgage if you have one yeah so I did not I was not employed by anybody just been employed by myself so you have to give yourself some benefits mm. so life insurance was an important one so I did that through through the company again um, so if anything happens to me there should be a payout uh, from the insurance company f- for yes <laughs> <laughs> for me and also income insurance as well so um this is one maybe a bit more personal but if for example i you know contracts dry up and i can't get a contract then my income dries up and therefore insurance company should help me out okay yeah so those are just some protection but i feel like that's quite um I can't think of another word other than that's quite good of you (laughs) to have that stuff set up and have that pension set up. I just can't imagine a lot of people do that. I I just cannot imagine people put money into their pension, like set up their own pension. Do you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially, you know, contractors are not always young 
a lot of people who have been in the game for 10, 15 years doing mm. contracting. Um, they've got a family, or they may have a family, and so they will definitely have things to look after their family. Okay. Like a pension? A, yeah, including pension, the pension. Including a pension, uh, but the life insurance as well, yeah. Okay, okay. Because I feel like with things like pension, they always, I mean, I was on a, on TV and stuff, they always make it out that young people don't have pensions or we don't sign up for it and things mm. like that. And then even with the life insurance, I was on like a money webinar thing the other day through work. And the guy on there was saying, oh, make sure if you're buying a property or whatever, you make sure you have the life insurance. Because he's like, so many people I know, and critical health cover. Because like he said, so many people come into the branch, something's happened, they've lost their job, and they've got no protection at all because they never took one out. So yeah. it's, or they, you know, relying on work, or whatever. So it's good that you set that up. Yeah. Um. Okay, well, moving on. So you were a contractor for... How long? Um, it was roughly total, two years. About two years. Okay, so a decent length of time. What would you say are the pros and cons then of being a contractor since you were at it for two years, in the game for two years? Yeah. So I think one of the pros is uh, flexibility. Mm. So you can take jobs that you want. You don't have to take the first contract that comes at you although if you've not had a contract for a while it can be tempting to just take the first one that comes um and you can also take gaps between contracts so if you want to take extended holidays um you know lots of time off work then you can do that when a contract ends you just don't take another one okay yeah, so great so, if you if you have children yeah and because you've paid you've been paid larger amounts of money like we've been talking about this 130k into the company account you should have a company hopefully that's built up a bit of money that can continue to pay you every month okay so even if you don't have a contract the company still got cash to pay you and you're still employed by your own company right i see right i see um variety there's you know as a contractor this is one of the things that made me become a contractor you can take different um projects and work for different companies you can even work for more than one project at a time mm. or company at a time so you could even make a, uh, a deal where with one company you work monday and tuesday and another company you work thursday for uh, wednesday thursday and friday right you know so flexibility to take any contract that you want to work on the type of things that you want uh, at the time you want you know that type of thing um the pro you know a financial Benefit is is a pro because you you're being paid into the company these large amounts of money, um, which is good and it gives you that stability because y you need it. Unfortunately, with contracting, you don't have this ability of being employed, and you know if as long as you don't hand in your notice and you're employed, or you don't do something that can get you fired, basically, um, then you you've got a job, you know. Or you're not made redundant but with contracting you don't have that protection and so you don't have that financial security so you need to uh look after your you know what you're making financially do not spend all the money make sure that you're 
looking after the books of the company, the accounting, your accountants doing their job well um, to make sure that if you do come into rough times and rough times did happen, you know, there was that change of um, IR35, there was COVID, all that sort of stuff. Um, if those times do happen, you do have some backup. Mm-hmm. Um, politics is a pro as well. As an employee, you're, you know, you've always got politics in the company, but as an as a uh, contractor, you come in, you're kind of on the periphery. Um, you're never in the middle of things. Yeah. And so people will just, you know, don't burden you with politics. You don't have to worry about promotion all that stuff you're just yeah, being you don't paid. have to be involved in any of that yeah you're just being paid for what you come there to do and that's it you can still build relationships but you don't have to get involved in politics yeah um and yeah uh, i think one of the pros as well because you can move around and do different things you can build a network of people and meet a lot of people and it's really important that you do that as a contractor you have to build a network of people because those people are going to be where your ne- next contract comes from um cons i think one of the cons for me is that there was no there's if you're a contractor there is no hr there's no one to run to or to go to if you're having issues at work so you just have to deal with whatever you get and if you if it's somewhere where you can't work well at least you have the flexibility to leave um sometimes you still have to do a notice period but at least you've got the flexibility to leave mm. Yeah, again, the lack of job security is a con, I think. Um, but we've already discussed that. As a contractor as well, people think that you can work less or you do less work. You know, you just do basically the bits that you've come to do and then you leave. But actually, there's some cases, there's a lot more work because now you have to run a business. You have to do tax. You have to do your own personal tax returns and you have to manage financially everything that's going on. Mm. So there's an admin overhead of that. And every every month, I didn't even think about it, but I had to release invoices every week to the company. And so on the invoice day, I was there, I forgot to do my invoice and I had to just log in. And fortunately, everything is on Google Drive that I have. So I just log in and I had to create my invoice at work sometimes. So I did that. <laughs> yeah, because I remember like, when you were yeah contracting it'd be like I'd be like oh what are you doing oh I'm doing admin doing business stuff it felt like you was always doing something related to your business yeah you got to keep on top of it otherwise it just builds up in a pile you know um one of the cons I guess this is another expense as well you've got to expense your own training or career progression and that's a business expense so if I need skills that will help me in the market to get more contracts or to do my job better there's no company that is going to, you know, say, oh, yeah, we're going to send you on a training course. No one is sending me on any training course. Mm. I've got to send myself. So I've got to expense through my company to send myself on a training course so I can learn certain things. And that's another thing that you need to sort of count in. Because over the years of doing contracting, you, you know, you're going to have to keep your skills up to date. Yeah, there's no benefits as a con. So you've got to make sure you look after yourself. I think one of the cons as well is that sometimes as a contractor, people have views about you um, and they expect things from you. You know, they expect you to be very high performing and to be the best guy on the team or the most skilled guy on the team. And that's not always the case. Sometimes they just 
needed to fill a seat. I you agree. Know? From my experience of working with contractors, that is not always the case. Yeah. So many a time a contractor is doing the exact same work I am. Yeah, and they're asking the same questions that you're asking, you know. Yeah. So you have to remember that they're human and they don't know everything and they're literally here because somebody opened a role and said, I need someone and I don't want to go through the trouble of hiring them. So I'm just going to bring the contractor in. Yeah. That's about it, really. One thing that I wanted to touch on super quickly um, was around kind of the pay aspect of things. So you will obviously kind of pay yourself through the company. And I've heard stories around, you know, it being more lucrative or kind of having evading tax or, you know, doing dodgy stuff with, with your pay. Is that is that your experience? Uh, I think this is a really interesting one because although we've talked about all this money that's paid to the company, we've not really talked about the money that's paid to you. And at the end of the day, the only money that you can really spend in any way that you like, go to restaurants and all sorts of stuff, mm-hmm. is the money that's paid to you. You have to pay your bills from that money and, and all sorts. And so you cannot pay yourself the full amount of money every month from the company because you've got all these expenses. And so you have to pay yourself in two ways. The first is payye, is which is normal salary pay. Um, out of payye, you have to pay national insurance, um, and that is taxed at normal tax, right? So, twenty mm. percent if you're under fifty grand. Yeah. Over fifty grand, it's forty percent, and over one hundred and fifty grand, it's forty-five percent income tax. The other way to pay yourself is through dividends. So because you are the owner of your own company and you can only do this if you are if you set up your limited company because you're the owner of the company you can pay yourself dividends and you can choose how much dividends to pay yourself but at the end of the day dividends has less tax than uh income tax right, right? okay then P- so, PAYE yeah then PAYE sorry so you would typically pay yourself more dividends than you would pay P P A Y E. Right. It's still taxed though. But it's a lesser. But it's, it's a lesser, it's a lesser rate lesser, of tax. It's a lesser rate of tax, and so you're you're better off to pay yourself more dividends than P P A Y E. Okay. Yeah? So you 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 pay less tax essentially overall by doing contracting, but that doesn't mean you're being paid more overall, right? Because a lot of contractors do not want to be paid more than 50k and the reason why is because uh when you pay yourself more than 50k you then have to pay 45% sorry 40% income tax mm. right and 40% income tax if you do not need the money month to month Doesn't it's just money sense. it's just money you don't need so you're better off paying corporation tax on that money rather than income tax on that money so a lot of contractors leave the money in the company let the company build with money and then um, pay the corporation tax which is a lot less than the 40 percent income tax so most contractors that i know only pay themselves up to 50 grand a year Mm. Um, one day when they want to close the company let's say they want to stop contracting they will close the company and take out all of the money 
and when they do that they will pay a different rate of tax right and you and you have gone through that process so yeah we will you know we this this episode you being a contractor this is part one so in the part two we'll talk about the process that you went through of kind of closing down that company and what that looks like. But it's interesting that you say that they'll cap themselves at 50K because you're right. If you don't need that additional bit of money, Mm. there's no need to take out. You may as well let that company, let let the money sit there and grow until the point of you need that money for because you're buying a new house, because you want to send your kids off to a private school, because you you want to do an extension on the house. Until you actually need that lump sum of money, Pay yourself the 50k if you're living with if you've got your partner that income's coming in and if your cushy hour is mm. then it's fine as opposed to giving yourself a 70 80 90k salary when actually you don't really need it yes and also if you pay yourself that much money then you can obviously you can save it as well in your mm. own bank account but you'll have to pay the higher tax on it and your company will have less money so if you do see hard times You've Your got company, less of a cushion. You, yeah, you've got less of a cushion in the company. Okay, interesting. Interesting. So if you can kind of quickly kind of run through what would your lessons be of being a contractor for two years? Um, I think my lessons are to be careful about the jobs that you take. Ask a lot of questions in the interviews because, as I said, the interviews are really short. You've got to make the most of that time. So ask a lot of questions, especially about what they need from you, because there are a lot of contractors out there who are filling seats because um, companies just want to fill seats for budget reasons and you know other reasons. So you've got to make sure that they actually want something from you and what they expect you to li- deliver on the contract. Otherwise, you know you could be in a job that's not very enjoyable and you're just going to have to find another contract. Um, I think always remember that your contract can be terminated at any time. So be careful with your accounting. Uh, You don't know when the next contract will come. Okay, that's a good good tip there. Um, Exuding confidence is also helpful, Mm. like with getting a contract and, and just working as a contractor because, again, people have a perception that you must know everything because you're being paid a massive amount of money um or at least they perceive that you are and so you have to exude confidence even if you don't know everything um i think a massive lesson as well that i learned is choose the right accountant when i first became a contractor i chose an accountant that was recommended to me by another contractor and i think that accountant may have been a good accountant for him but is not a good accountant for me you know, and we go back and forth again on this podcast sometimes about the differences for, you know, being black in industry, being black in life. And one of the things that you have to always remember is your relationship with people mm. and you have to have a good relationship with your accountant. Yeah. Right. It's really, really important because you need to ask them questions. You want the best advice um and tax and all that stuff is really complicated so you want someone that you can trust so yeah choose the right accountant one that actually listens to you not someone who's going to make any 
I guess they make any mistakes, but it's not necessarily make mistakes, but somebody who's who you feel like has got your best intentions in mind. Yeah. I think I'm going to add one as well because thinking about that, one of the important things is remember you're running a business if you set up a limited mm. company. So you must be on top of the accounting. And accounting is... Uh, it's a bit complicated, but you can get your head around it. Yeah. Right. You don't need to know everything, but you must be on top of it because you are responsible for the accounts and the tax and HMRC. You're legally liable. Yeah. yeah. And we were talking about this the other day, isn't it? You know, it's not. It's you can't turn around to HMRC and be like, oh, I didn't know this was happening because my accountant said that it was all in all in hand, or yeah. oh, I didn't fill in my self assessment form because oh, my accountant said this. No. It's your business and you ultimately are accountable for everything that happens. You're legally, you know, accountable for it. So you can't so you 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 have to be happy to take that responsibility of running your own business. Yes. And I think that is something that people don't think about when they talk about being a contractor, is that if you take the route that you did, that you have to be in a mindset that this is my business. If you want to do the umbrella company option where someone else does it then yeah you can kind of you know wash your hands of that you're not as involved that's not an option that I think we would feel well you didn't take and that's not one that I'd feel comfortable taking so if you're going to run your own business you know you've got to step up on that like it yeah you must be capable let's put it this way you must be capable of checking your accountant's work yes (laughs) okay yeah exactly exactly that and I think maybe we'll have an episode on how to, you know, a quick kind of 20 minute episode on, on how to kind of choose a right accountant as well. Because, again, I think that's going to help our listeners who may want to go down that road. Yeah. And finally, build your network. Um, every time you're working in these companies, you're working with new people, you're meeting people, you must build a network of people. You must like communicate and and, you know, just try and be personable because you're definitely going to need it later. This is where your bulk of contracts will come from in the future. Yeah. And you use your network to get your second contract. Yeah. Um, the most, you know, contracts come through recruiters, but the best contracts come through your contact contacts. Yeah. Yeah. And then my last kind of two questions is, do you think both people could be, if you're in a relationship, do you think both people in that relationship could be a contractor? Let's say, and and sorry, your relationship and you live together, and then you have you yeah. have shared um, kind of financial responsibilities. Yes, definitely, I think so. So we could have been a contractor at the same time. Yeah, I think so, definitely. But I think one of the things is that if you're a person who's looking to get a mortgage and you're both contractors, I think Oof. you're probably going to have a problem. You're going to struggle. Yeah, but if you're not trying to like get a mortgage or a, or a hefty loan or something like that um then i don't see why not you all you have to do is just really think about um financially you know do you have backup do you have protection if you do fall on hard times you know if you're both in the same industry you could both fall on hard times at the same time, time yeah if you're in different industries then it may not you know coincide at the mm. same time so yeah just look after financially all the books yeah and I guess it's also take us for example if we were to both become contractors again or you again and me to start with would we have two separate businesses or would we have one business and then we're 
two employees that sit underneath that. I don't know which one would be most tax efficient, but it's things to think about like that. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And obviously, I, you know, you would only do the latter. So having one company with, with the both of you sitting underneath it, if you felt like you could trust, you know, you fully trust your partner. Yeah. And then my final question is, would you ever become a contractor again? Because obviously we know now that you are employed, you have an employer. Yeah. Uh, would you do that again or was the experience burned and scarred you for life? Um, I, I wouldn't say the experience has burned and scarred me yet. I, would, <laughs> I wouldn't rule it out. I'd probably, you know, think about doing it again. But I just think that... You know, my experience in contracting maybe doesn't suit my personality uh, because, as I mentioned before, sometimes you don't deal with the politics, so you're on the peripheral, on the periphery. But being on the periphery also means that sometimes you're not involved in the journey or sometimes yeah. you're not all the way um, considered a team member or part of the whole project yeah you know? yeah you're yeah. you're just seen as a temporary resource who will yeah. be gone soon yeah that's um, so true that's how i view them yeah contractors you haven't got as much skin as the game skin in the game because you're getting paid you know five six hundred pounds a day you're just here for the money and <laughs> in three months time you'll be gone yeah and that doesn't really suit my personality because i want to be i want to feel like i am part of the journey yeah, yeah. I want to feel like I, I, yeah I'm all in so um for that reason I wouldn't be doing it anytime soon mm. but I wouldn't rule it out okay okay so thank you Stefan for being a guest on the ordinary black professional yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know letting uh letting me pick your brain about what it's like to be a contractor we will be having a part two and that part two will be talking more about the specific types of you know feelings and experiences that you've had being a contractor as you kind of walked us through the practicalities of it yeah what was it actually like being a contractor like what was the reality of it what made you decide to go perm and um yeah just more feelings around kind of being a contractor talking more around kind of some of the highs and some of the lows as well so yeah, stay stay tuned for that part two. Look out for it because it will be coming soon, and we will wrap it up there. Yeah. So thank you again, Stefan, for being there for letting us uh, or letting me uh, pick your brain. And for everyone listening, we'll catch up with you next week. Bye. Bye. If you have any questions or dilemmas, email us on ordinaryblackprofessionals at gmail.com or we can be found on Instagram and Twitter at ordinaryblackprofessionals. Also, don't forget to follow us, subscribe and leave a rating and comment. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.